really care? Do you really care? And as we look into the words of our text, we're going to continue to dig a little deeper because I am of the opinion that most born-again believers love God, I believe, but I don't think we really delved into the depths of what it means to really care for our fellow man. Um, and I think it's important for us as a church, if we're going to be a church that is transformational in its efforts to transform the community, we have to connect together and understand what it really means to care. Amen? So the text says here in Proverbs 29, verse number 7, can we read out loud and on purpose? It says what? The godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Can we repeat it one more time? It says what? The godly. Who? The godly care about what? The rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Amen? Now, we started out on last week asking this question, do you really care? And we shared some things with you uh, as it relates to that. We talked about the fact that our first component of this lesson was dealing with the fact that, uh, you know, when, when we as born-again believers, when, we, when we're saved, that does not exempt us or uh, our family members from facing some adversity. Can I get a witness? And what we discovered is, is that uh, we can grow through adversity. And we also discovered that God will utilize adversity in our lives. He'll utilize the storms in our lives to get, uh, to get us to see our need for him. And he also utilizes the storms and the adversity in our lives to get us to realize that we need each other. Can I get a witness? Because there are some things, guys and girls, that we go through in this life we're not going to be able to handle it all by ourselves. Certainly we need God, but we also need our fellow man. And so if God is going to utilize adversity and storms in our lives to get us to see our need for him and to see our need for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, then as a fellow brother and sister in Christ, I need to be available and to recognize that part of my kingdom responsibility is to exhibit the love of God to those who look just like me, a human being. Can I get a witness? Amen. Somebody who's going through a storm, somebody who's facing adversity, when they need a fellow believer to help keep them, we need to be available. But in order to do that, you got to really care. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you really care? So in this next section, we're going to deal with uh, the component loving people because as we go through adversity we, and we have those things that happen in our life and we see our need for God and we see our need for people, if you don't love people, really love them, then you're not going to be there when they're going through something. Can I get a witness? Now, you know, we, we, we talked about this before and, and I want you to listen to me very carefully. Many of us sitting in here today, and I want to hear me carefully, many of us sitting in here today believe with everything in us that we really grasp the concept of love. And, uh, and we really believe that we have a good understanding of what it means to love. Would you all agree? I think most of us really think that we do. But, but as we dig deep into this series, I think we're going to recognize that maybe our love has been a little bit distorted a little bit. And, you know, and a lot of us have studied material on love. I know you all that have 
been in the marriage ministry uh, for any period of time, have heard us teach on the five love languages, right? And I tell our husbands all the time, and I tell our wives all the time, you need to be able to speak your spouse's love language, all right? In case you don't know what those are, amen, there's five love languages that are, that, 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 are, that are involved in a relationship between a husband and a wife. I said a husband and a wife. Everybody say it one more time. Relationship between a husband and wife. Uh, one of them is acts of service. Some people feel love when you do stuff for them, acts of service. Some people's love language is gift giving. They like to receive gifts, amen. If you bring them a gift, boy, they're really happy. Can they get a witness? If some of y'all are gift givers or receivers of gifts, it makes you feel love, amen? Bring you a new watch. Bring you a diamond ring. Bring you a new Cadillac. Oh, maybe you don't drive Cadillac. Bring you a new Lexus. Oh, okay, maybe that, maybe, that's not your company. Bring you a new Benz. Maybe bring you a Bentley. Maybe bring you a new Yukon. That ain't you either. What do y'all like to drive? Maybe you like a Pontiac. Do they still make them? <laughs> Whatever it is, gifts given makes you feel love. Amen? If you don't get any gift, you feel like you're not loved. Because, you know, how many of y'all have been to that scenario where uh, your, your, your wife, amen, or uh, you know, tells you that, that you don't have to get her anything for uh, Christmas? Uh, you don't have to get her anything for Mother's Day because you said in your mind she ain't your mama but she's the mother of your kids. I got news for you, brothers. You better not be deceived by the enemy. Even when she says she don't want something, she wants something because she wants to know that you want to give her something, even though she may not necessarily need it, but she wants to know that you love her enough to give it to her. Can I get a witness up in here? Talking about, well, you know, I, I, she says she didn't want nothing. You, you big dummy, you. Acts of service. Giving of gifts, quality time, all right? Some, some of y'all's love language is quality time. You want your man, you want your woman to spend some time with you. Can I get a witness? And some of, you, some of your, your love language is words of affirmation. You want to hear encouraging words. You want to hear I love you. You want to hear that you're the best husband, you're the best wife. You like to hear words of affirmation. And lastly, some of you, some of you like physical touch, amen? You like to be hugged. You like to cuddle in front of the fireplace and watch a, a movie and, and just snuggle and go to sleep, amen? Don't have to be anything deeper than that. You don't have to go to the sex, but you like physical touch. <laughs> I think they hit somebody back there. Somebody said, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, hey. So, so we, we understand love languages. We went through that, and we, we talk, the Bible talks about different types of love that expression in the Bible. We talked about eros, phileo, storge, epithumia, and agape. However, guys, listen to me carefully. The love that many people are most familiar with is, is a love that's characterized, I would say, as being conditional. See, we, we love conditionally. I'll love you as long as you're doing everything that I expect for you to do and you don't do anything to hurt me. It's conditional. It's sometimes the love that we embody or we show forth is shallow, it's fleeting, and, and it's worldly rather than sacrificial and sacred. As we go through here, I want us to get to the point to where when we hear that or see the word loving people, we need to understand what it means to have sacrificial and sacred love. It, you know, a lot of us have that love that's expressed in, in the type of songs uh, that we listen to or that we used to listen to. You, you, go on down, uh, you can go back and look over the years. There were a lot of number one hits that had the word love in the title. 
How many of y'all remember Elvis Presley? Elvis Presley back in 1956 had a song that said, Love Me Tender. Any of y'all remember Love Me Tender? Ray Charles had a song back in 62 says, I can't stop loving you. Any of y'all remember old Ray? The Supremes, you know, the Supremes talked a lot about love because they had a song, a number one hit in 64 called, Where Did Our Love Go? Or they had one in 64 again called Baby Love. Any of y'all remember Baby Love? They had another one called Stop in the Name of Love in 1965, amen? And then they had one in 66 says, You Can't Hurry Love. Then they had another one that says, love is here, and now you're gone. <laughs> that was the Supremes, amen? And then you had others. Percy Sledge had a, had a song in 66 called, When a Man Loves a Woman. Sherry, he can't think him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that hit Doris there, amen? She can't think of nothing else, right? Call over that airport. Yeah, you're right, sister. You're, you're right, you're right. <laughs> then Barry White. How many of you remember Barry White? Barry White back in 74 had a song called Can't Get Enough for Your Love. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then, and then Minnie Ripperton back in 1975 had a song called Loving You. It's easy because you're beautiful. Okay. The Captain and Tennille had a song in 75 called Love Will Do What? Keep Us Together. The Ohio Players had a song in 76 called Love Roller Coaster. Some of y'all feel like your love on a yeah, yeah, up, down, sideways, upside down, making you throw up. <laughs> Diana Ross and Lionel Richie in 81 had a song called Endless Love. Can I get a witness? Tina Turner had a song called What's Love Got to Do With This. Stevie Wonder had a song in 84 called I Just Call to Say I Love You. Can I get a witness? Then Farner had a song, I Want to Know What Love Is. And then Whitney Houston, y'all know Whitney, right? She had a song called Saving All My Love for You. She had another one in 86 called The Greatest Love of All. Then she had another one that says, I Will Always Love You. Stevie Wonder had one in 85 called Part-Time Lover. Some of y'all feel like you got a part-time lover, don't you? In the house, which is just part-time. And we go on, Beyonce and Jay-Z, featuring Jay-Z, had one in 2003. I never heard this called Crazy in Love. Any of y'all heard of that before? Some of, some of my young cats, some of my, yeah, yeah. All the other stuff, I ain't know what you're talking about, but you said Beyonce and Jay-Z. Crazy in Love. I heard that Usher had one featuring, uh, song featuring Jeezy. Is it Jeezy? Is that right? And it's called Love in This Club. Some of y'all young folks know about that, right? Love in This Club. And Rihanna, featuring Calvin Harris, had a song in 2011, 2012 called We Found Love. And you can go on and on and on and on, love. But see, a lot of those songs that we hear and we've been accustomed to and we can begin to regurgitate them because they come up out of my memory bank, a lot of that kind of love is not the love that we're trying to pursue to show that we really care. Born again, child of God, I need you to understand that we were made to love. Everybody say, I, I was made, made to love. Guys, throughout scripture, we are repeatedly commanded and reminded to love God and to love people. Uh, in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, can y'all go there with me right quick? Matthew 22, verse number 36. Uh, the prime example of this is Jesus' response to a question about the law in Matthew 22, verse number 36. Can we get that right? The text says this. 
Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Verse number 37, it says what? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. The next verse says what? This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse number 39, let's go. It says what? A second is equally important. What does it say? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, guys, this is critically important. Since we can't give what we don't have, the order of this commandment is crucially important. Love must be, I told you, vertical between you and God, I, us and God, can I get, between us and God before it can be horizontal between us and people. I got to repeat that. Love must be vertical between me and God, you and God, before it can be horizontal between us and other people. That's the problem that people have because some people don't know how to love, amen, in the truest sense of the biblical word, because they never fell in love with God. They just came to church. They just became a Baptist. They just got baptized, but never knew what it meant to fall in love and be passionate about their God. You cannot, look, look, look back at this verse again. Go back to verse number 36. Watch this again. He's asked this question, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Next verse says what? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. Can we read that out loud and on purpose together? It says what? You must what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, your emotional realm, your thoughts, your intellect, and all that, and all of what? Your mind. That's the, he gives that. Now watch what he says next. He says what? This is the first and the greatest commandment. That's the priority. You got to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul first. And the second is like unto it. It says a second is equally important. Guess what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's put it in a simple term. Unless we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior and personally experience the love of Christ, Amen. The love we give out is just a reflection of the human love that we know and understand. And how many of you know there are plenty of us in here who came from dysfunctional families who didn't know how to love? So if I don't know Jesus and I don't know God and I'm not passionate about pursuing God and my love is based on the, 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 the paradigm of my upbringing, I could be messed up. I tell you before, Every one of us in here comes from families that have some level of dysfunctionality. Some come from families that were even more dysfunctional and never saw love expressed. And so now when you never saw love expressed, amen, in, in, in the truest sense, then now that, that's your paradigm or that's your system of belief of what it means to show love. But in order to truly love in a biblical sense, we got to be passionate toward God. we got to be passionate toward God. When loving God is our passion, Loving others is a natural byproduct for that. You can't love God and hate people. Hello? You can't love God and hate people. I was, I was reading an article this morning, and I was sharing it with Marrera, this, this guy. He's an older uh, uh, gentleman. He was, he was talking about uh, you know, racism uh, in the early 60s in his hometown. And he, was, he wrote this book uh, to talk about the fact it's time for us to, to, to deal with these issues. And he was talking about the fact that he said he remembered coming up 
uh, during the civil rights movement, when the, when the civil rights laws came into effect, that in his hometown, um, uh, his church placed guards at the front door to make sure nobody of African-American descent came into the church. He said he placed guards at the front door and then went inside and praised Jesus. Now, what do what you think about that? See, let me, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I share with you right quick uh, what we got to do as a body of believers, as a church? See, God is not into segregating churches by color. I'm going to say that again. God is not into segregating anybody by race. And if you are here and you can't love people because of the way they look out on the outside, then you don't know what true love is. And let me say this because I'm, I'm speaking to, to EBC now. See, whenever you or I turn and start to hate because of what somebody did to us, we are just as wrong as them hating us. See, two wrongs ain't never made a right. Can I get a witness? And, 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 and at some point in time, as a born-again believer, if you're going to love God, you got to get past seeing people as, as, as they're out with skin, skin pigmentation. God don't, God, God don't play that. Look at the neighbor and say, God don't play that. He's God, the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten son that whosoever believeth in it, whosoever, whosoever, whosoever. I, 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 I like the way the old folks say it sometimes. They, they, they say, whomsoever will. And they, they, they kind of floated out the whomsoever will. Let them come, let them come. See, God is not a respecter person. He doesn't care what you look like. On the outside, if you come to him, he will receive you. And as a church that's preaching the gospel, standing on God's word, we will be a church that, man, that loves unconditionally. We will be a church that will not do ministry based on what somebody looks like on the outside. Can I get a witness? Because we're going to do it God's way. Can I get one amen on that? And, 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 if, and if you have a problem with that, you'll probably have to leave. At some point in time, because I don't back off of what the word of God says. I don't care what your experience was. Your experience doesn't change the word of God. I don't care what you feel. You don't know what they did to me. I had a man do something. He, he called me a dirty name. So wait a minute. We are God's children. That's what sinners do sin. And so we have to learn how to love with agape love. Throughout the Bible, God gives us glimpses of his amazing love and he imparts what loving people involves and requires. Go to Mark, the 10th chapter, verse number 45. Let's let the scripture speak. Everybody say, let the word speak. Mark 10, verse number 45. Talking about loving people today. Because I think some of us have fooled ourselves into thinking it's okay not to love the one who hurts you. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not speak to people. And you are born again believer. Hello. You think it's okay to dog another brother or sister out because of what they did to you. And they may have, what they did to you was wrong and it was ungodly. But again, two wrongs do not what? All right. All right. So watch what the text says. Let's look at this. It says, for even the son of man came not to be served 
but to do what? To serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. We already looked at, okay, so Mark 10 and 45, but look, remember John uh, 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That 17th verse says, uh, in, in John the third chapter, it says, For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. Okay? It might be saved. Go with it. Pop up, if you will, John the 15th chapter, verse number 12. Let the Bible speak. Loving people. John the 15th chapter, verse number 12. Let's look at it right quick. The text says this. Ready? It says what? This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Can we read it out loud? Come on. Y'all read it. It says what? This is my commandment. Who's talking here, guys? Jesus Christ, our Lord, is talking. This is my commandment. He says, what? Love each other if you're of the same race. It didn't say that, did it? Love each other as long as that ain't your ex-wife or your ex-husband. Then you can, you can, they did you wrong. You cannot love them. It's not what it says, is it? You can put any of the excuses that we put out there to to excuse ourselves for not loving people. And this scripture does not go there. It says, love each other in the same way I have what? I have loved you. Verse 13 says what? Let's read. Then, then to lay down. Back up. Verse 12. Go back again. I want to let this sink in. This is what? My commandment. Love each other in the same way, in the similar fashion, the same way I did. It's Jesus talking. He says, love each other in the same way I have loved you. Now, look at what he says in verse 13. Read it. It says what? There is no greater love. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could have a right to a relationship with God. And what he says is, see, he gave his life for us when we weren't even caring about God or him. Can I get a witness? Jesus died for you and for me when we were out there doing whatever we want to do. Because he died for all of our sins on the cross of Calvary. So he says, in same fashion, your love for your fellow man needs to meet this litmus test. Laying down your life for your friends. Your love for people, if you're going to be godly, has to be the same way Jesus Christ's love is for us. Go, go to John the 17, chapter, verse number 3. And we'll, we'll look at that right quick. John 17, verse number 3. Are y'all still with me? Talking about loving people. I've told you, most of us have love that's based on the songs we've heard. Based on what we've been taught. Sometimes what we've been taught hadn't been uh, all the way right. If we're going to let God utilize us to advance kingdom principle, one of the things that we have to do is start to love people in a biblical sense. Because you, you, need, you need to understand that so many people get hurt in relationships because they don't know and understand what true love is all about. 
Some of you sitting right here don't know what true love is all about. You feel like love is you giving me something. You taking care of me. And that's a part of it because love is an action word. It involves that, but it encompasses much more than somebody just doing something for you. Are you listening to me today? And so, so many people get hurt in relationship because they have these expectations and, 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 and they don't understand what true love is so that when, when that person disappoints you, then you, you, you think that that person is the worst person in the world and, and you can no longer have any type of uh, conversation or whatever with that person. I'm here to tell you there's a born-again believer, you can't afford to have that mindset. Watch this. Watch this, okay? I'm going to let the, let, let the Word of God speak. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to the earth. Skip down with me, if you will, to verse number 25 and 26. Are you there? Let's read. 25 says what? O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. This is Jesus praying now to the Father in heaven. He says, and these Disciples know you sent me. Jesus, praying to the Father in heaven, says, the world doesn't know you, but I do. See, Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus was God manifested in human flesh. And he says, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. Verse 26, let's read together. It says what? I have revealed you to them. Who is this talking again? Who, has, who is them right here? The disciples. He says, I have revealed you, God, to the disciples, and I will continue to do so. Now watch this last part. Read it out loud. It says what? Then your love for me will be in them. The same love, God, that you got for me will be in the disciples. And I will what? Be in them. Don't miss this. Jesus says, I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, just like I and the Father are one, we and the Father should be one. In other words, we are in him. When we're in Jesus, we're in God. See, the church is known as what? The body of whom? Christ. And so when we learn this, when we learn how to embrace Jesus Christ's love, when we learn how to allow the love of God to permeate our life, then the world is out there will see God's love in us. And his love is contagious. I want you to write this core principle down. Core principle. Write this down. Caring is sacrificial. Everybody say caring is sacrificial. So, so what is a sacrifice? You, you know, most of us, you know, say we love people, but we don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to get up and do something that is painful or, 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 or something that's, I don't know, something that causes us to have to stretch a little bit. See, when you really care for people, it's going to involve some sacrifice. Many of you all say you love the church, but you love the church as long as it don't cause you to sacrifice anything. Oh, I love my church. I love EBC. I love my pastor. 
until your pastor tells you or asks you to do something that calls for sacrifice. Hello? People will say they love you until they have to sacrifice. I love going to church until it rains. Why is church attendance down on rainy days, on rainy Sundays, and Monday comes along, you got to go to work, but all y'all there? All y'all there. Sacrificial love. Caring is sacrificial. What, you know, I, I love you and I care about you as long as you're not asking me to do something that's going to call me to get up off my lazy derriere and do something that I don't want to do. Honey, would you go to the store and we need this, that, and the other because I need to do this, that, and the other? And you get mad and don't want to go to the store. I just got home. I've been working all day. You get up and go. Something simple as that. How many of y'all ever had those kind of conversations in your marriage? When you're asked to do something that stretches you. It's easy to say I love you as long as you act, you're not requiring me to do something I don't want to do. It's easy to say I love God until God requires you to do something that you in your flesh just don't want to do. Caring is what? It's sacrificial. Now, here's a key thought. We'll pop this up. Key thought. God's word is clear, guys. Jesus loved us to death, and as Christians, each of us is commanded to, number one, love as Jesus loved. Each of us is commanded. Everybody say commanded. To love as Jesus loved. Go to John 13, verse 34 and 35. John 13, verse 34 and 35. Y'all still with me? Talking about loving people. Don't forget that, that, that core principle. Caring is sacrificial. People nowadays don't want to sacrifice. Even for the church. It used to be that, that people you know, love their church to the point to where you know, no matter you know, how they may have felt or no matter how maybe they, ha they had a disagreement with somebody, they were connected to God and then connected to their church to the point to where they, they would do, uh, you know, whatever was required of them from their local congregation. But now people are at a point to where if, if they don't want to do it, they just stay home. If they don't want to do it, they just, you know, back up and quietly rebel. Everybody say quietly rebel. You can rebel quietly. Without ever saying a word, you just hear what the word says, hear what the responsibilities and requirements are, and just don't do it. Watch what the text says. Y'all there? Let's read together. It says what? So now I am giving you a new commandment. What does it say? Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. This is Jesus talking. Next verse says what? Your love for one another, watch this, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What will prove to the world that we are Jesus' disciples? When we help somebody or 
uh, when we raise enough money to build a new building, uh, when we do radio outreach, or uh, when we buy Sunday school books. No, he says, here's how you're going to prove to the world that you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. So my question to you is, if the world is watching the church and seeing how the church interfaces with each other across denominational lines, would they say, y'all are Jesus' disciples? I submit to you like somebody just said, I don't think so. Because we're not showing the love of God. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So we got to love as Jesus loved. Second thing, we need to clothe ourselves with love. Everybody say, clothe myself with love. Go to Colossians, the third chapter. Colossians, chapter number three. Clothe yourself with love, agape love. You know, I, I, was, I was reading uh, and doing a little study on uh, from the book of Genesis, and, I, and we talked, I was, as I was studying that, I came across a little interesting viewpoint that I never thought of before. You know, the Bible says that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they, the Bible said they were naked and they were not ashamed. But the moment sin entered the garden, then they, they realized they were naked. But you know what I discovered is, is that the reason why they, they were naked and not ashamed is that before sin entered the garden, they were clothed with the glory of God. See, when the glory of God clothed them, they didn't see their nakedness. Can I get a witness? And see, guys and girls, when we walk in the anointing and the glory of God in the earth realm, people don't see our nakedness because we're allowing God's glory that's been exuded in our life to, 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 give, to give an image where People can look at our life and we can be transparent and they can see God in us and not us. So the glory of God clothed Adam and Eve in the garden. And so once, once they sinned, the glory of God removed itself from around them. But the text says, clothe ourselves with love. This is agape love. Colossians 3, verse number 12. I can read together. It says what? Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with what? Tender-hearted mercy. How many of y'all show tender-hearted mercy to people? Kindness. Everybody say kindness. You got to put on some mercy. You got to put on some kindness. Everybody say humility. Everybody say gentleness. And what? Let's read it one more time. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must what? Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness. Look at verse 13. Let's read it together. It says what? Now watch this. Here, if you're in relationship with any other human being, you got to do this as a born-again believer. What does it say? Make allowance for each other's fault. Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it awful, Carl? Isn't it awful how we, you know, we, we look at other folks' faults and want to want to drive them to hell because they messed up. And then when we mess up, we want somebody to show us some mercy and grace. Isn't it amazing how other people's sin makes us indignant? But when we sin, we want forgiveness and grace. Isn't it, isn't it, isn't it amazing how when somebody else's mess up and they say, well, you know, that was not my intention, uh, please, I beg your pardon, then we don't want to give them any grace 
But when we mess up and do stuff unintentional, then we want people to give us grace. The text says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Now, now how many of y'all know in church there'll be times where you'll get offended? How many of you know that in this church sometimes you're going to get offended with me? How many, let me, let me see the hands of anybody. Don't raise your hand. Just, just look straight here. Have you ever gotten offended because of something I said? Huh? Yeah, some of y'all say yes. Some of y'all are honest. I'm saying. But you know what? That's okay. Because if I say it in love, speak the truth in love, back it up with scripture, then if we write and divide the word of truth and you get offended, I hope you get offended enough to go search the Bible to see if what I'm telling you is true. And if you search the Bible and see what, I, see that what I'm telling you is true and you change your behavior or your action, your thought process, then I'm okay for you to have gotten offended because your offense drove you to, to dig deeper. Now, when your offense caused you to walk out the door, that's a problem. Because everybody who's a member of this church must realize that as your under-shepherd, God called me to feed you with wisdom from on high. So I'm going to feed you. Sometimes you may cough it up. Sometimes you may choke on it. But I, you know, I got some water, and, and, and I'm, I'm going I'm to give it to you. I'm, I'm going to hit you in the back, make you, make you cough it up, and go, go again, okay? He says here, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must also what? Forgive others. That's what he says, okay? So clothe ourselves with love. Look at it. Let's go to the next one. Love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. Deep love. Go to 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, verse number eight. Just trying to show you through the scripture. Love each other how? Deeply. Y'all got that? So we got the love as Jesus' love, right? Which is sacrificial. Most Christians don't understand sacrificial love. Love is Jesus' love, clothe ourselves with love, and love each other deeply. 1 Peter 4 and 8. Let's look at that right quick. 1 Peter 4 and 8. Glory to God. Can we read together? The text says what? Most important of all, love covers a multitude of sin. Now that comes on the heel of verse 7 where it says, the end of the world is coming soon, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sin. Now look at verse 9 for good measure. Talking about love and sacrifice. Some of y'all, how many of y'all are willing to sacrifice your home if somebody needs a place to stay? Yeah, yeah, we got a few of y'all in here. The rest of y'all just as selfish as I'll get out of here. <laughs> Come on now, now, now watch this now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you now because, see, if you're sitting there right now, if I told you, well, you know, somebody's passing through town, would you mind letting them stay, spend the night at your house? If you get all queasy on the inside... And then it's, it's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know them, Pastor. Well, your pastor knows them. He knows they're good people. But he says, will you just let them spend the night at your house? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Can we go with the Bible? Some, some of y'all look at me like, that ain't me, Pastor. What you mean it ain't you? You say you love God. Watch what the text says. Look, look at it. There it is right there, verse 9. Y'all there? Let's read. 
cheerfully. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Cheerfully is an adverb, right? An adverb tells you how to do what? Do the verb. So if I share my home but I don't share it cheerfully, I'm still out of order. And I'm going against the word of God. If I share my home but I'm, I'm going through me mugging the guests and telling them, you know, don't sit there. You can't sit there. You can't sit there. You know how some of y'all are. The text says, watch this. This is Bible talking to us. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal. Mm. How you want to do it? Let's read it again. We got to read it again because some of y'all, I told you, caring is sacrificial. And some, of you, some, some Christians have become so selfish that they don't want anybody to interrupt their selfish time. My home is for me and my family, nobody else. That ain't what the word says. That's why we got hotels, pastor. <laughs> yeah, but the text says share your home. They had places back then too. Because remember, there was no room in the end for our Savior. Come on, get y'all listen to me. So I want to know, this is in my spirit right now. I feel it in my spirit. Some of y'all are so selfish that you won't let anybody come stay with you. But what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this scripture right here? I told you caring is what? Sacrificial. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Everybody say amen. So you got to love, when you love deeply, you know, you get, you get beyond yourself. You get, you get beyond your little idiosyncrasies, your little pro proclivities. The little stuff that's on the inside of you that's making you think, oh, you know, I, don't, I, ain't, I ain't just comfortable, bro, Pastor. Well, get comfortable. Because the text says, cheerfully, share your home with somebody who needs a meal and give them more than cereal. If they come to your house, they need more than Cocoa Puffs and Corn Flakes. Fix a meal. We had, this is kind of on my mind, we had a young lady who's going to school at Gremlin. She, her mother, and her brother, they're originally from California, and we just met them for the first time when we were out there for TJ's graduation. She's the counselor of the school, and, and we, Al and them introduced them to us, and, and this, this young lady's going away from home for the very first time. You know, from Murrieta to Gremlin is a long ways. And what we told her was, hey, listen, you're, you're a long ways from home. If, if, if you need somebody, to, you need a place to stay, if you need to come home on the weekend, uh, go somewhere from weekend, just kind of deprogram and get a home-cooked meal, uh, you can come. And our, our, our mom, when y'all coming through, because Mom flew into Colleen, Texas. They drove through on the way to Grandma. Didn't want to get up early in the morning, drive that six hours. So they came by and spent the night last night at the house. We fed them too. <laughs> and, uh, and, and cultivated a friendship. Uh, we never knew them before. Uh, was it June we went to out in California? Uh, but but God, God has told us that there are going to be times. Now, everybody, this is not in every case, but when the Holy Spirit tells you, you need to do it. Okay? All right, y'all with me? 
All right, I got to move, y'all. Because that, that, that sound like that, that's, you know, sacrificial was long, good as long as I, I didn't say have somebody come out of your house who you don't know. Some of y'all don't even want your own relatives over there. I'm going to pray for you. Go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Come on, y'all. Ephesians chapter 5. I, I got I to move. Ephesians 5. Verse number 1, 1 and 2, 1 and 2. So some of y'all got something to think about on the way home. Some of y'all are a little, some of y'all don't know y'all a little weird. You, you need to be told you're a little weird. Let the Holy Ghost clean the weirdness out of you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Lie, live a life filled with love, following the example of what? Of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Glory. He says, imitate God in everything that you do because we're his dear children. The type of love Jesus is referring to uh, for us is, is, is agape. Agape love embodies that which is divine, unconditional, and sacrificial. Not the worldly, impulsive, uncertain, and performance-based love that tends to permeate our society. Agape love. Everybody say agape love. Being grafted into the family of God brings with it some great blessings and some great responsibilities, guys. And one of those responsibilities is to obey the Lord's commandments. You know, we love because we care. Amen. The two go hand in hand. You can't love and not care. You cannot love in the agape sense and not care about people. So as a church body corporately and you as an individual Christian have to learn that I got to get into loving God so that I can love people. I can't really truly love God in the truest sense without loving people because God is in the people. Glory to God. So, so what are some things that we need to, to consider? Let's move here. The, the fact that Jesus commands us to love is a clear indicator that loving people, loving God and people is not something that comes naturally. If God has to command us to love, that means it doesn't come naturally. Are y'all listening to me? Agape love does not come natural. It is supernatural. So that's why you're struggling because you're trying to love people in a natural sense. And you're not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you, to give you the capacity to love unconditionally. You can't love somebody unconditionally without the Holy Spirit because it's not natural. So that's why God commands us to love, okay? Go to 1 John 4, 9. We're going to write quick. 1 John, the fourth chapter, verse number 9. Right quick. 1 John 4, verse number 9. Look at what the text says. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Look at verse 10. It says what? This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse number 11 says what? Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Go to verse 16 with it right quick. Hurry, hurry. Verse 16 says what? We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. Verse 21. 21 says what? Watch this. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love 
their Christian brothers and sisters. Amen? So, guys, what we got to realize is, is that agape love, uh, it's not just transactional. It's, transform, it's transformational. It's not just transactional. You know, like I told you on last week, Linda Ham was, was an awesome experience, and that's, that's our effort to show the love of God. But, but the love of God has to go beyond just a transaction. Remember I told you it's people, not just issues. Do y'all remember that? It's people, not just issues. It's presence in somebody's presence and not just programs. It's faith, not fixating and fixing. Okay? So it's transactional. Transactional or transformation. Agape love is transformation. The human tendency is to associate care with tasks, doing stuff, tasks to be completed, problems to be solved, rather than people to be loved. I told you before, you can have money, you can help somebody and not really care about them, not love them. There are plenty of people who have money who they give to the poor, but they don't love people. There are some folks who do it just for to be publicized or just for a tax write-off. But when you love people, it goes beyond just that transaction. Okay? So our tendency is to, is to, is to fixate on completing the task and solving the problem rather than loving the people. But as a result, our natural instinct is to express care and concern in ways that are transactional. I'm doing something rather than relational. I'm being somebody. There's a difference between doing and being. Would y'all agree? There's a difference between doing and being. Love that is sacrificial and sacred is love that is transformational. Now, now watch this. So if, 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 if we're going to, guys, if we're going to, uh, to have that transformation type love, we got to have some discipline and some sacrifice. So what are, what are some ways that, 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 uh, that we can love and care well? What are some things that can help us? First of all, if we're going to love and we're going to care for people in the manner that God wants us to, there's some things that we got to, uh, we got to become, okay? Number one, uh, in order to, to love well and to care well, we must be people-oriented. Everybody say people-oriented. Say it one more time. Say people-oriented. Our human tendency is to concentrate not on people, but on their situations and their struggles and whatever the barrier it is for them to, 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 to be, a, be able to get beyond that point. We got to look beyond just what they're struggling with and look to the person. So we got to be people-oriented rather than just issue-oriented. Most people, when they come to you, they want you to show care and love. They want you to do something about their issue. They want to borrow some money. They need some food. They need some clothes. And all those things are good, but if we boil love down to just giving them something and not building a relationship, we miss God. Because true agape love is relational. Everybody say relational. It is relational. Second thing we got to look at is this. Uh, we got to acknowledge the underlying concerns. Acknowledge the underlying concerns. Now, again, although we, we tend to limit care uh, to, to, to a, a limited set of issues like, you know, medical issues, somebody's hospitalized, death, grieving, or somebody getting divorced, there are many circumstances that cause tension and turmoil in people's lives besides those things. What about broken relationships and insecurities that people have? See, some people are responding out of their insecurities and their brokenness. You don't know, guys, remember the example in men, in, in, in authentic manhood, the iceberg example? We see the stuff above the surface, 
and we start trying to deal with the stuff above the surface, but if you don't deal with that stuff below the surface, then the stuff above the surface, you may deal with it and, and it go away for three weeks, but it's coming right back again. You keep wondering why that person keeps acting that way, because you never dealt with the stuff beneath the surface. Those insecurities, they never got healed from the broken relationship they had two years ago or three years ago, and you keep trying to deal with the stuff on top, you got to dig beneath the surface. Can I get a witness? So, so acknowledge the underlying concerns. What are, what are their fears? What are their failures? What are their frustrations that's causing them to act this way or be in this position? What's causing them to be on drugs and ask you to borrow money for their rent every month? You got to dig with the surface. So acknowledge the underlying concerns. We can't just be stuck on programs and, and hospital visits. Those things are necessary, but we, we want to be relational. Acknowledge the underlying concern. Next thing. Be considerate. Stop being mean and, and ornery. Be considerate of other people, okay? You know, you know, be, you know, be considerate. Sometimes there's some things uh, that, we, that we know and we're aware of. We got to learn how to focus on people and express compassion when you become aware of those concerns, okay? You got you to be considerate of what's going on with that person's life. But, 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 but don't allow your initial comments to hinder your ability to talk to people. Some people don't know what to say. They say the wrong thing, and it ends up causing somebody to get offended or, or, the, or causing them to step back. We got to be considerate of others. Can I get a witness? All right? Now, last, last thing I want, to, I want to give you. Be genuinely caring. Everybody say, be genuinely caring. Don't just fake care but be genuine in your caring. Caring requires us to be intentional and it requires us to connect with people in ways that are relational, spiritual, and sacrificial. Not just social and superficial interaction. But again, let me repeat that. Caring requires intentional connectivity with people in ways that are relational. Here we go spiritual and sacrificial. Relational, you know, you know what it means to form a relationship? There are a lot of Christians who have trouble building relationships because you never had to do it. Or, or maybe, maybe you didn't do it well, and maybe you came from a family that was not very relational. But I'm here to tell you, that's something that we got to work on and be considerate when we're dealing with people. Be genuine in our caring. Be relational, spiritual, and sacrificial, not just social and superficial. The Bible speaks of loving others as an outpouring of our love for Christ. And throughout scripture, care is synonymous with, and it signifies being close and personal. So if I genuinely care, I got to care enough for you to look beyond just that need that you have. And I got to care for you as a person. Be genuine in your caring. So let's back up as we get ready to close. It says what? To love and care well, we got to do what? Number one, be what? Now, now some of y'all are here you know, like a lot of us, have to work on being people-oriented, right? Because some of y'all run, scare people. And you got, see, the way you become people-oriented is you got to allow the love of God to consume you. You'll never be people-oriented in the sense that God needs you to be if you don't allow God to consume you, to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Be people-oriented, acknowledge the underlying concerns. You know, my, my prayer would be is that, that, that when we help somebody through lend a hand, that 
we become relational with them, if they allow us to connect with them and become a part of our ministry, or maybe they're not a part of our ministry, but we become relational with them enough to where we don't see them year after year. Then next year they'll be coming saying, hey, I need to write a check so we can get somebody else's uniform. See, God blesses us to be a blessing. So when we become relational with people, then we can help them get, get beyond the situation, okay? So be considerate and be genuinely caring. And when we do that, the love, our love for people will be known and expressed in a way that will help us to introduce Christ to them. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity. You are a God who loves us and you care for us. Lord, you told us that we have a responsibility.